Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Today is Thursday, July 18th, 2019, and today on the O Show podcast, we've got Chicago White Sox prospect Danny Mendick. We talk about Danny's draft experience, how he was golfing when he got the news, his diet, which I always seem to be concerned with when it comes to baseball players. I think I asked Casey Clemens and Chavez Young the exact same question. Uh, Danny's road to professional baseball wasn't an easy one, folks. And uh, even his favorite movies of all time, which didn't include Step Brothers. I kind of poked fun at him for that. But let's get into it. Episode 72 on Apple Podcasts and TuneIn. Okay, so it is episode 72 of the O Show podcast presented by Belly Up Sports. Be bold, stand out. I think it's episode 72. I quite honestly stopped keeping count. So who is Danny Mendick? Danny Mendick is a 22nd round draft pick by the Chicago White Sox in 2015. Currently plays second base for the Sox AAA affiliate, the Charlotte Knights, and is currently doing all right for himself. Uh, hitting 279. In AAA, looking to achieve his lifelong dream of becoming a big league baseball player. But how did Danny Mendick get to pro ball? Like I said, it was not an easy journey. Uh, he's 5'8", 190 pounds. Doesn't look good coming off the bus per se. That's the way he put it when I got the chance to sit down with him in Charlotte last week. Uh, he grew up in Rochester, New York. Didn't receive any scholarships to play college ball. Not one. Ended up playing ball at County College for two years, uh, Monroe County College to be exact, before attending UMass Lowell uh, for his final two uh, collegiate seasons uh, before getting the call from the Chicago White Sox organization. You'll hear in the interview that Mendick actually spoke only to the Chicago Cubs, the other Chicago team on the north side, before uh, getting drafted and was actually told that he was going to get drafted within the first 10 rounds of the big league draft. And that didn't turn out to be the case. So he decided he was going to go golfing for the day. It's a neat draft story, as I'm sure many guys in the league have them. Everybody knows Mike Trout's story. And if you don't know Mike Trout's story, uh, was the only player to show up for MLB Network's live draft stream in their inaugural season in 2009. Uh, Trout wasn't drafted until... I think either pick 25, 26, 27, one of the later picks in round one, uh, I believe, by the Los Angeles Angels. And all the analysts there really felt bad. You saw Dan Plesak, Harold Reynolds, Eric Burns. Like, these guys felt bad for this kid who's the only kid to show up 
at the MLB Network Studios in Studio 42 to get his name called, and he wasn't picked until, like I said, one of the last picks in the first round. Uh, But Danny said he almost played two full rounds of 18, two full rounds of golf before he got his call. So it's a neat story. Uh, as we'll get into this interview right now, Danny Mendick, 22nd rounder by the Chicago White Sox here on the O Show podcast. But first, yes, another quick ad from TickPick. Have you ever felt cheated out of a deal when buying tickets from StubHub only to see that there's a $15 fee at the end of your original purchase? Or have you ever been on Vivid Seats and not even get your tickets? That that actually happened to me once. I ordered a ticket from Vivid Seats and I never got the ticket. And that's why I switched over to TickBick.com where smart fans buy tickets online. No hidden fees. Search and buy now 100% authentic tickets. Best price guarantee. 24-7 customer service. Buy, bid on, and sell tickets with the confidence of their 110% guarantee. That's 110% guarantee. They show you the best deals with their algorithms and let you decide. 0% buyer fees. If your ticket is $26, your, pr- your purchase is $26. No joke. The most transparent, consumer-friendly ticket marketplace on the web. Authentic, valid tickets backed by our 100% money-back guarantee. You'll love your ticketing experience from purchase through the final whistle or out and no hidden fees. Like I said, if it's $26, hell, if it's $8, it is an $8 purchase. Save an average of 10 to 15% on every purchase guaranteed only at TickPick.com. Get your tickets now. here in Charlotte, North Carolina, BB&T Ballpark, here with Danny Mendick. Danny, how you doing? Went four for five last night, got your average up to 275. Do you feel like you're locked in at the plate right now? Yeah, uh, it felt good. I mean, first day back after the break. Uh, didn't really feel good before the game when I was hitting, but I uh, got back out there and was seeing the ball, and yeah, it felt really good. So I'm always curious to get your guys' takes on this. When you guys are on road trips, traveling from city to city, are you a type of guy like on long bus uh, rides. Are you the type of guy who's playing games on the bus with people screwing around? Or are you the guy who's laid back, li- listens to podcasts, listens to music, listens to Netflix? What type of guy are you? Uh, both, actually. So, it's, All right. I mean, if, we got, if we're playing cards, I'll play some cards. If we're, you know, whatever the guys are doing, I'll, I'll be happy to jump in on it. Uh, if we're watching a movie, I'll kick back and watch a movie or, or listen to, you know, my, my phone and stuff. So, whatever the mood is, I'm in it. Awesome. What's your favorite movie? Oh, God, good question. I'd have to go with, like, way back, like, Sandlot or Remember the wow. Titans. Wow. Okay. Those are both great sports great movies. movies. I was yeah. going to go with, like, Step Brothers. Oh, yeah. like if you want, Instant yeah, classic. Would, absolutely. Um, so another topic looks like it might pour here in a second. A lot of guys who I talk to like to be on a keen schedule. Like, they like to be organized. They like things to stay on target. Like, are you a type of guy who wants to get through a game or like do you mind a rain delay or a rain out every now and then 
No, I mean, don't get me wrong. A rain out's always nice. Rain delays right. stink. Uh, you hate, you know, you hate waiting around and then and then having to play later on. It's, you know, that's always tough on the body and stuff like that. But no, it's not a problem. I mean, you just got to check in when the right time is. You, you know, like, it rains and it's in the fifth inning. You check out and then right. it starts coming back on. You check back in. So. Uh, and what do you do to prepare? Like, let's say you're in a rain delay for more than an hour, hour and a half, two hours. What do you do mentally and physically to prepare yourself to get back out on the field? Well, like I said, you check out for the time period where that you're inside. So, right. we, you know, sometimes you play cards or you get some food and stuff like that. But once they tell you that it's like, all right, we're playing at this time. Right. I mean, you lock, it's laser. You're, you lock it right. in, you know what I mean? So, uh, talk to me a little bit about your journey getting to Pro Bowl. So, you grew up in Rochester, New York. Yep. Uh, went to Lowell for two years. You went to uh, Monroe Community College to start out. Talk to me about the ups and downs and windy roads that you took to get here. Yeah, um, you know, I, I was on the smaller version of, of people. I was I was underweight, undersized. Uh, no one ever really, I didn't look good getting off the bus, per se. You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't that guy that was just going to be. So, it was harder, you know, and I just, I guess, I just put my head down and I grinded and I tried to, uh, become a really become really good at my craft right um you know and i'm still trying to do that every single day and you know so in the process of going to college and all that stuff i learned more about myself as a player and um you know it really helped me and monroe was great and, and umass low was unbelievable and so those places you know they, they made me who i am and 2015 came along the MLB draft. I just heard a funny story that you were actually golfing and you got the call. And I read an article on NBC Sports Chicago saying that the only team you were actually in contact with was the Chicago Cubs. Yes. And then you end up getting drafted by the White Sox. Tell me what it was like getting that call and the whole experience of that day, just waiting for that call to come. Yeah, well, the first, so the the Cubs told me on the first day that I was going to go, or the second day, I'm sorry, that I was going to go on the back half of the top 10. That's what they said. And then I didn't, and I was sitting around the computer waiting, waiting, you know what I mean? And uh, so I didn't, and I was like, I'm not going to wait around tomorrow. Right. I'm going to go do something. Just, <laughs> so I went out and played golf with one of my buddies, and uh, I got a call on, like, the 15th hole, the second 18 that we played. And uh, the guy was like, yay, you know, my name's Joel. It was Joel uh, Graham Triano, and he was like, I, we just picked you in the 22nd round, Chicago White Sox. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, like, this is awesome. So I instantly hung up and called my family. Uh, it was a shock because, like I said, right. I only talked to the Cubs. I filled out papers and stuff like that for other teams, but I didn't really think anything of it. So it was pretty cool, though. It sounds frustrating to me. Yeah, <laughs> it was. But you know, after what? a while, it was yeah. a blessing in, in disguise. It was a. This is an unbelievable opportunity, and you know, how many people get to do this? One hundred percent. I can't get to do it. That's why I'm in media. Yeah. Uh, so during your first season in the organization, you were up and down quite a lot for like about a three-week period going from Charlotte to Salem, Salem to Charlotte, Salem to Kannapolis, all over the place. Yeah. I'm a type of guy, if I'm sitting in traffic for more than 15 minutes, I just want yeah. to scream. Oh, yeah. What was it like uh, getting the experience at all those different levels in that short period of time, and how many miles did you actually get on your car? Oh, it was a lot. I went down, what's that road that goes from here to Winston, uh, the highway? I don't even know what it is. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not from Charlotte. I have no, I have no clue. But I went down that road multiple times. I mean, it was just felt like it was back and forth. But, you know, it was a, it was a cool experience. I got to come here and, and get a taste of this and what the guys were like because I was young, so I didn't know. You know, you play you play affiliated ball and you play in the lower levels, and it's a little different. But when you come up here, it's more, you know, it's like the big leagues. So um, it, was, it was cool. But, you know, that, that drive and stuff like that, it, 
taught me a lot. It just made me, you know, realize I, I believed I believed that they did it because they felt that I could play and I could if I had to back yeah. up I could have done that. That might not have been the reason. But <laughs> you know, that's kinda of what I told myself and just continue to go out there and control what I can control. Keeps your mind clear for sure. Yeah, exactly. So you started the year in Salem in twenty seventeen and actually got a chance to play for Willie Harris, who was also a big utility yeah. guy. You just mentioned play all sorts of positions, second, first, short. Yeah. Um how big of an impact did he make on you during that season? How much advice did you get, uh, given you such a key contributor in that uh, 05 World Series club? Yeah, so Willie, I mean, his the, his personality and the way he goes about his business is so, it's it's just like a, it's a, it's a grinder mentality. Like he just, he's just focused about himself and he's always, he doesn't care about anybody else and doesn't worry about that stuff. And that's kind of what he taught me is how to go out there and like, not worry about what the guys are doing out there, but worry about myself and know that I'm better than everybody. And he just gave me that positive mentality and, and that drive and turned my career around because I was normally just, you know, just a player and I like to go out there and play. But once I got in there and started to really like grind down and, and you know, really try to kick ass, and right. that was the, you know, the turning point. And uh, that, you know, it, it, it helped me open up doors to my game that I wasn't, I wasn't doing yet. And you mentioned that, like, do you feel, obviously you feel frustrated when you hit, like, a plateau of a certain point where you feel like you can't improve. Right. When you go through moments like that, you mentioned that with Willie, is it refreshing? Is it just, like, a great feeling when you finally yeah. break through that plateau and break through that barrier and get better? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's cool. I mean, God works in mysterious ways, and he has all these, you know, different ways of testing people and stuff like that and you just got to look at it like that I guess I looked at it and I was just like you know this is just a, a path that I have to go down and then it opened a new path and I took a different path and it's just a cool learning experience especially if you can just look at the positives from it that's so hard in what we do oh, yeah. um, but that's kind of the only thing I try to do and, and that's how it helped me out and in 2018 you're actually named the MVP at the Birmingham Barons yes. in double-a we talk about the grind you mentioned how hard it is how hard it's been for you to get here how refreshing and how rewarding has it been how fun is it when you're playing it like that well oh it's it's awesome i mean you know i i know what i can do um, so being able to go out there and, and show everybody and, and winning the mvp was you know so humbling and awesome um but yeah so i mean that was a fun year i uh i like i said i learned a lot about myself and hopefully i can just keep increasing as a player from those from year year to year now, being up and down a lot, you've gotten to experience basically the entire system at this point. Talk to me a little bit about your spring training experiences, getting to play uh, alongside big league players, and who has made the biggest impact on you like during the spring, during the Cactus League? You know what? Honestly, all the guys, they all helped me out. I mean, it, it was just like, you know, you'd go around, and everyone was very personable, and they talked to you, and... You know, it's just in watching how they went about their business. That was the biggest key for me. Is like I just like watching how everybody would prepare for the game because they're playing at the highest level, and I want to play at the highest level. So I need to be ready to, you know, to learn and all that stuff. And that's what the coolest part about it was, honestly, is just seeing how they get ready for the game. And it wasn't even the way they talked; it was just what they did. Right. Actions speak louder than words, Danny. Exactly. Uh, who would you say is a guy, we mentioned the Cactus League and even Willie Harris, who would you say is a guy you looked up to growing up in the game of baseball, growing up in the game, and also a guy you look up in the major leagues right now? Well, my dad, I mean, my dad was my coach right. for my whole, pretty much my whole life, and uh, he, I look up to him because he, you know, he didn't really know much about baseball, but he invested his time and, and, 
you know, and, and dedicated everything he had to help me become a better player. Um, I had a guy, Dave Parlett, who was my hitting guy back at home and is still my hitting guy. He's pretty much molded me into the hitter I am. Um, gave me a base when I was younger and it's just been increasing it since. So he was a huge help. But, you know, as, as far as guys in the big leagues right now, um, I, mean, I just look at the guys that I'm kind of like, you know. Right. I look at, like, Whit Merrifield. Right. And, like, uh, like Brock Holt and even, like, Jose Altuve. He's a small guy, you know. Just look up those guys because they can do it. It's like, I can do it. I know I can do it. I may not be as talented as they are, but I'll work hard as they are. So, right. you know what I mean? And, and a guy like Frank and, and Grud's here, these guys, you know, huge helps in careers. So, I'm lucky to have them. And do you prefer to be an under-the-radar guy as opposed to a highly touted prospect? It's well, I've never, never been a highlight right, outside, right. so yes, I would prefer to be an under-the-radar. I like it. Who is, so I ask this with everybody, just because new generation, new era, mainly all rap music today. No. I'm not a rap music guy. I'm like oh. a rock and roll, country type think, of guy. I, I mean, I'm, in, I'm in on that. I'm in on that. Like, I like the old schools like Boston and yes. Fleetwood Mac and all there that you go. stuff. So That's refreshing to hear. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. But I do. I will get my dose of rap and country and some Airbnb. Airbnb. Or I just, not Airbnb. I right. said Airbnb. <laughs> Airbnb. Um, yeah, no, I, I like Simple it mistake. Yeah. It's 2019. Yeah. Uh, so I'm more of like an old school rap guy. I like Eminem. I'll listen to oh, Lil yeah. Wayne. Absolutely. I can't listen to like Migos. I don't like... Quavo, Huncho, not, like, no, I can't listen to them like religiously. That's for sure. It's got to be like right. a small dose, like if I'm like trying to get hyped up or something. Okay. But other than that, I stick to the to the light, easy stuff. Okay. So. And uh, last question before I let you go. Another question I ask a lot of players. You guys are on the road all the time. Uh, what is the daily diet in the life of Danny Mendick? Because I'm a guy who can eat like four porterhouse steaks a day and still weigh about a buck seventy. I'm right there with you. I uh, yeah, I will eat as much as I possibly can. Right. And it is not healthy. Uh, <laughs> I will eat healthy. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'll right. put some healthy, you know, healthy in there. But there's definitely, I'll snack on the most unhealthy things possible just because I feel like I need to like eat as many carbs as possible. Oh yes. Because you go out here and you burn you know, 3,000 calories a day. So it's like, how am I going to eat enough calories to, you know, it's only- Right, and you can't put anything yeah, on it. Exactly. If you don't eat what you burn. Right, so if, if I'm going more. past the McDonald's, I'll go in there and snag a Big Mac, you know what I mean? But, Jeez. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta put them all on. So there you have it, Danny Mendick with the Charlotte Knights right now, looking to get called up by the Chicago White Sox. At some point, maybe he'll be uh, part of the 40-man roster come September, if not hopefully before then. Great dude to talk to, Danny Mendick. Uh, you heard his story there. It was actually on the 15th hole in his second round of 18 when he got the call from the White Sox organization. Didn't expect to be called by the White Sox organization. Thought he was going to get drafted by the Chicago Cubs. 
And self-admittedly, he's not a highly touted prospect in the organization, has a massive chip on his shoulder, feels like he has something to prove every day. Uh, said in an article on NBC Sports Chicago a few months back saying that he likes uh, being under the radar because someday when he does come up to the big leagues and everybody's like, who's this guy? It'll be even more special. And he touched up a little bit there about playing for Willie Harris, who was a utility man on that 2005 World Series team, the Chicago White Sox, basically saying that he turned his career around. Uh, his personality and the way he goes about his business really turned his career around, taught him to go out there and not worry about what anybody else was doing on the field and worry about his own play and know that he was better than everybody else on the field. He just... He looks at guys like Ben Zobrist and Brock Holt with the Boston Red Sox and Chicago Cubs, how how they're so versatile and so good, the team can just put them wherever they want, left field, second base, third, short, they'll go out there and produce. And that's the type of guy he wants to be. They can ask him to do whatever and he'll just do it. He talked a little bit about being up and down and left and right and diagonal and sideways. He, was in, he went from single ice Salem to... Double A Birmingham, back to Salem, back to Birmingham, up to Charlotte, back to Birmingham. Like he was in three or four different spots in the organization. I think he was playing at three different levels in the organization back and forth for about 20 days. He said he put a ton of mileage on his car. That just sounds frustrating to me. But I think he enjoyed the grind because he, in his own way, he thought that the organization was testing him and believed that he could play just about anywhere and get the experience out of it. And like he said in that interview, he didn't really play much at Charlotte, uh, got some at bats in Birmingham, really played mostly in Salem when he first came up in 2017 and 2018, uh, won the MVP on the team for the Birmingham Barons in uh, the White Sox AA affiliate last season in 2018, hit 247. Hit 11 home runs, or excuse me, hit 14 home runs, 25 runs batted in, and 20 steals. And like I mentioned earlier, currently hitting 279 with 11 home runs and AAA for the Charlotte Knights. Creeping closer to his dream of playing big league ball. I personally wish Danny Mendick luck. Great guy to talk to. Great interview. Just an overall solid dude. Now, what I want to do next, it's been a while since I did a Yankees recap on the show. I think the last time we actually did a Yankees series recap was in May, maybe even April. So I want to get into an article that I wrote just a few days back on uh, fansided.com. You can actually check it out. Uh, check the piece out at yanksgoyard.com called The Ultimate List of John Sterling Home Run Calls. Now, as many Yankee fans know, John Sterling is the radio broadcaster for the team, has been for quite a long time, 31 seasons to be exact. And after, I believe it was 50,060 straight broadcast over a 31-year span, uh, Sterling finally took a series off during 4th of July weekend. Uh, that's when the Yankees went down to the Trop in Tampa Bay, St. Petersburg to be exact, take on the Tampa Bay Rays. And then that followed with uh, the All-Star break. Um, which gave John eight days off to just chillax, do whatever the hell John Sterling does uh, during his time off. And he would actually take another night off just two nights ago uh, when the Yankees were home against Tampa. So I don't know what's going on with John. He's 81 years old. Hopefully it's just a situation where the streak of 31 straight years on the air was snapped and he's now just going to take a game off every now and again. But Sterling is getting old, one of the mainstays in the Yankees organization. Like I said, 
the Yankees radio broadcaster since 1989. He's been a part of five World Series championship seasons, so I hope John Sterling is doing okay. Uh, Despite that fact, Sterling's become famously known in the Bronx on WFAN Radio and the Yankees Radio Network for his home run calls that he gives each player. Um, And I came up with some of my personal favorite, as well as a plethora of different calls he's given uh, different players, new and old, over the years. So the first call that I listed in the article was a guy that many Yankee fans became enamored with quick, and that was uh, Godzilla Hideki Matsui, which was a thriller by Godzilla. I think we actually have the audio here. Here's the 2-2. Swung on, hit in the air to deep right. That ball is high. Hit us far. It is gone. Hideki Matsui does it again. The second game this weekend, he has two homers in the ball game. A thriller by Godzilla. Oh, the Sayonara kid rounds third, heads home, and the Yankees take an 8-4 lead. I mean, nobody has the passion for Yankees baseball like John Sterling. There's been many Yankees over the years that have caught the admiration of fans. So, you know, like Jeter, the Rivera's, the core four in general, A-Rod, even Brett Gardner on this team. No player had the unique relationship that Hideki Matsui had with Yankee fans. Coming over from Japan in 2003, immediately made the uh, big impact, launching the Grand Slam against the Twins in the home opener. In 2003, hit 287 that year, had a big three-run home run in the World Series against the Marlins. I think that was in Game 2 of the 2003 World Series at Yankee Stadium. Played in all 163 games that season. No one will forget the 2009 season when he basically carried that team in the 2009 World Series. Two home runs off Pedro Martinez, had six RBIs in Game 6 of the World Series en route to a World Series MVP. And Matsui would become known as Godzilla. Because of the call, due to the call, he has been one of the more—it's been one of the more revered Sterling calls of all time. Okay, so the next two uh, I put on the list. The first one, A Rod's, it's an A bomb from A Rod. It's—it's very stereotypical, but not probably one of his most enjoyable calls, but definitely one of the more ones you heard often. Given A Rod hit over 350 bombs with the Yankees. So to be exact, uh, Sterling was able to break out that call 351 times over 12 seasons. So A-Rod went on to win multiple MVP awards 2005 and 2007 with the Yankees. We knew he won the one in uh, 2003 with the Texas Rangers. So two with the Yankees. Uh, key player in the Yankees' 2009 postseason success. Uh, hit three game-tying homers in October, including two including against the Twins in the ALDS, one at home against Joe Nathan in Game 2, and then one off Carl Pavano, greatest Yankee pitcher of all time, in Game 3. Um, Sterling got to call important A-bombs, milestone A-bombs, even historic A-bombs from 2004 to 2016, including... Uh, Alex's 400th, 500th, and 600th career home runs, as well as uh, A-Rod's 3,000th career hit, which was a home run, which came in July of 2015 off of future Hall of Famer and current Astro Justin Verlander. So an A-bomb from A-bomb on that list. The next one is my personal favorite, uh, Robinson Cano's. Robinson Cano has since left, now Seattle Mariner, but Robbie Cano, don't you know, I don't think you can beat that call. Swung on and hit in the air to deep. Right center. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone. 
over the end of the Boston bullpen and into the bleachers. A tremendous home run by Robbie Cano. Robbie Cano, don't you know? Another home run and the Yankees lead 5-2. Yeah, I really think he delivered on this home run call. Uh, he was called up, I think, in 2005. Uh, he struggled early, hit at the bottom of the Yankee order, which featured Hall of Famers, Derek Jeter, Alex Rodriguez, Jason Giambi, Posada, Matsui. Uh, so in 2008, Cano struggled again, receiving a wake-up call, when uh, his best friend at the time, Melky Cabrera, actually got sent down to AAA Scranton Wilkes-Barre. So then in 2009, Cano comes back, reinvents his swings, hits 27 home runs on route to a world championship, and from 2010 on to his final year in 2013 with the Yanks, Cano was arguably the best hitter in the Yankees lineup, if not one of the best hitters in the league behind Miguel Cabrera to go along with an outstanding glove at second base. All right, the next one, arguably another great one, and quite honestly, this nickname has stuck with this player throughout his entire career. Now with the Miami Marlins, was a Blue Jay, was even a Met for a little bit after leaving the Yankees. Great Yankee career, was there for four years, hit well over 100 home runs, 240-plus home run seasons, and that's Curtis Granderson, the Grandy Man. Oh, yes, the Grandy Man can. If Cano, if Robbie Cano, don't you know, is my favorite, Grandy Man's number two. So when he came to the Bronx in 2010, Granderson was coming off a career year in Detroit. Hit 30 home runs for the Tigers. I think he hit like 249, but he hit 30 home runs, drove in 71 runs. So during a four-year uh, stint in pinstripes, he was there from 2010 to 2013, hit 115 career home runs, including, like I said, uh, two 40-plus home run seasons, 2011 with 41, 2012 with 43. The Grandy Man nickname, like I said, still sticks with many Yankee fans today as well as many Mets fans who listened to Sterling on the radio for four years before Granderson signed a four-year contract to play for the Amazons from 2014 to 2017. Big part of that NL championship team in 2015. So the next one, now this one, I I really had to like do my research on this one. Kareem Garcia was a Yankee twice between a span of 2002 and 2003. So in 2002, played a few games before moving to the Indians. I think he was designated for assignment. Comes back to the Yankees halfway through 2003, uh, was Verely remembered by being the guy at the plate when Pedro Martinez came up and in that cleared the bases the first time and then Clemens came up and in on Manny Ramirez in game three of the American League Championship Series, which resulted in Don Zimmer getting thrown to the grass by by Pedro Martinez, which gave Pedro a bad rap at the time, probably one of the nicest guys in baseball. But Kareem Garcia, like I said, a short-lived Yankee career in two stints. Played a key part in that uh, pennant win in 2003 over the Boston Red Sox. Only hit six career home runs as a Yankee, so John Sterling probably didn't use this call often. However, I thought it was quite clever and probably had fans laughing in the process. And he is like such an irrelevant Yankee that they didn't even have the audio on this one, so I'm going to give it a shot here. Kareem Garcia, the Kareem of the crop. That's how I imagine it would go. Next to uh, two more very clever ones, probably two of my all-time favorite, man. He's got a lot of good ones. Uh, the next one, though, is probably one of my favorite Yankees of all time. Big part of that 2009 team is with the Yankees from 2009 to 2012, uh, Nick Swisher, who's now with Fox Sports, of course. 
And like uh, Hideki Matsui, not many Yankee players captivated the attention of the fan base like Nick Swisher did. Again, only played four years there, became an instant fan favorite. Over-the-top positivity and charisma, not to mention a scoreless inning in relief one night against Tampa Bay in 2009. Uh, hit 29 home runs as an eight-hole hitter in the Yankees lineup in 2009. Uh, consistently hit over 20 home runs in each of his four seasons. Uh, here's the Nick Swisher, jolly old St. Nick. Nick is positively swishalicious call from John Sterling. Swung on, there it goes. Deep right field, it is high, it is far, it is gone in the second deck. It's a grand slam. He drove one into the second deck and right, a grand salami. Oh, he is positively swishalicious. Yes, indeed. Uh, after finishing his playing career with the, I think it was with the Indians, then he went over to the Braves after he retired, or before he retired. Uh, not only has he joined the Fox Sports Network as an analyst, but also became a special advisor to Brian Cashman uh, and the Yankees front office. So that's pretty cool. The whole mantra, first a Yankee, always a Yankee, or once a Yankee, always a Yankee, Nick Swisher uh, definitely personifies that. The next call on the list, uh, Mark Teixeira's, again, probably one of my favorite because I just think it's clever. Mark sends a text message into the seats, and then you're on the Mark Teixeira. Cashman signed Teixeira to an eight-year deal, $180 million deal back in 09, finished second in the AL MVP voting, uh, caught the final out of the 2009 World Series. Teixeira sent a lot of text messages over the years, folks. Over 300, I think, in his Yankee career. Uh, hit well over 400 in his total career, like 409 career home runs, I believe. Uh, and despite battling injuries later on in his career, won multiple gold gloves, launched 206 career home runs in pinstripes. So I was about 100 home runs off. So 206 of 400, 400 of his nine, so about half of his home runs, a little bit more than half of his home runs in pinstripes. Uh, hit a walk-off grand slam for his final career uh, home run against the Red Sox in 2016 off Craig Kimbrell. So here it is, the text message. All right, next two I had on that list, uh, one of the most revered Yankees of all time, part of the Fab Five before the Core Four took over, Bernie Williams, just like the Grandy Man, John Sterling's call for Bernie Williams, burn baby burn, it basically resonated with a lot of fans over the years. Bernie Williams was a massive contributor to four world championship teams from 1996, 98, 99, and 2000. Uh, in 1998, Williams actually led the American League with a 339 batting average. Uh, that won him the American League batting title. The Yankees finished that season with 114 wins, the rest is history, became world champions, four-game sweep over the San Diego Padres. Uh, like I mentioned, Fab Five before Williams left after the 2006 season, not receiving a contract offered or returned to the Bronx, never really retired, kind of just 
faded away, became a musician. Well, he was always a musician, but became a full-time musician, doesn't play baseball anymore. Um, from launching a walk-off homer in game one of the uh, ALCS against the Orioles in 96, the famous Jeffrey Mayer game where Jeter hit the home run, not really, should have been caught, but whatever, we'll take it. Uh, catching the final out off the bat of Mike Piazza in the 2000 World Series at Chase Stadium, Bernie Williams is, forever will be, probably one of the f- more favorited Yankees uh, of all time. So here it is. Burn, baby burn, John Sterling. Take it away. Swinging, and he hits a high fly to right. A way back. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone. Bernie goes boom. They turn him loose on a 3 0, and he hits a high drive six rows back in the right center field bleachers. Burn, baby burn. And the Yankees tie the game at one. Burn, baby, burn. I really love how intense and how passionate he is about these calls. He was very passionate about this next call. Uh, I can resonate with this one. I was there in the stands. 2012, only season as a Yankee. The guy hit like four or five game-tying home runs in the ninth inning. It seemed like it seemed like he was doing it every night in September and October. Raul Ibanez, only season as a Yankee in 2012. He made the most of it. He was a hero in the Bronx during the final stretch of the season. Uh, in September alone, he hit uh, two game-tying home runs, uh, one a two-run blast in extra innings against the Oakland A's. I was in the 14th inning in September of 2012, then hit a pinch-hit two-run home run against the Red Sox in October of 2012, and then the game that everybody remembers, Game 3 of the uh, American League Division Series against the Baltimore Orioles. Joe Girardi calls Ibanez to pinch it off the bench for A-Rod, who uh, couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat, and down 2-1 in the count, bottom of the ninth. They're down 2-1 in the game. Uh, it was a 1-1 count against Jim Johnson, the Orioles' closer at the time. Abanez lined a game-tying blast in the right field, sent Yankee Stadium into a frenzy, went effing crazy. After a few scoreless innings and extras, 12th inning, Abanez comes up again against left-hander Brian Mattis. Abanez clobbers a first-pitch fastball on the outside corner into the second deck in right field. Here's John Sterling's call. Raul was very cool this night. Okay, next two on the uh, in the article. First one, Eduardo Nunez. Second one, Brian McCann. Both, I mean, I wouldn't say Eduardo Nunez is a mediocre Yankee. Brian McCann was a mediocre Yankee. Eduardo Nunez, however, uh, just won a World Series with the Red Sox, just got DFA'd by the Red Sox. It's no longer noontime in Boston. No longer noontime in Beantown. So, Nunez played for the Yankees from 2010 to 2013 before moving on to Minnesota, where he played with the Twins. Um, like I mentioned, Red Sox hit a three-run home run in Game 1 against the Dodgers in the World Series last year. Vital part playing third base in that World Series team just got DFA'd. The home run call by John Sterling was Nooney to the Mooney, referencing just Nunez hit one to the moon, I'm assuming. Uh, again, way back machine did not have a clip on this one. I could just imagine myself laughing, listening to this on a car ride home, just Nooney to the Mooney and the Yankees take a two to one lead. 
Brian McCann. Like, if you thought that was bad, if you thought that was a bad imitation, F you. But if you thought that was a bad call, listen to Brian McCann's. Swung on and drilled to deep right. It is high. It is far. It is gone. It wins the game. Brian McCann hits a bottom of the 12th three-run walk-off home run. Oh, McCann can. Hey, yes, McCann can. Brian McCann drills a three-run home run. And the Yankees win the game 7-5. Now, I actually think I made fun of this call a few months ago, probably like 10 or 15, 20 episodes ago, basically just saying, like, it is high, it is far, it is a dribbler down the third baseline, because that's basically the gist of Brian McCann's tenure in the Bronx. He'd hit it the other way, he'd dribbled singles to third base because no one would be playing over there, everyone would have the shift on him. Every now and then he'd had a home run. I remember his first year in 2014 came up in some big spots. That was probably his worst year. 2015 was probably his best year. Hit that walk-off home run on the 4th of July like you just saw or like you just heard. This is audio. But, oh, McCann can. Yes, McCann can. That's got to be the worst call that John Sterling has ever coming up with. The most cringeworthy call in my estimation. Next two. Uh, so one, another way back machine one that I couldn't find, so I'll have to imitate that one. The other one, newest Yankee, well, not the newest Yankee, but new Yankee Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, of course, we have that one. Everybody knows that one. But Stephen Drew, like Brian McCann, Stephen Drew, he struggled as a Yankee, to say the least. Got traded. Literally, the Red Sox traded him to the Yankees, which you never see. Stephen Drew got traded to the Yankees from the Red Sox for Kelly Johnson in 2014 hit 187 in 177 career games in the Bronx. That is a recipe for disaster. Drew hit 20 home runs as a Yankee. Um, it was a treat, though, when he hit home run listening to it on the radio. John Sterling's uh, call, uh, sure to be a, a hit from the start. Stephen Drew, how do you do? He serves a Drewski, and the Yankees take a 3-2 lead. I, I personally like that call. I think that's a good one. Giancarlo Stanton's uh, still trying to get on board with that one. I, I get it. He uh, learned Italian for this one. So, of course, everyone knows the story. Brian Cashman completed the deal that sent Stanton, who was the 2017 NL MVP, to the Yankees for Sterling Castro and basically the remainder of Giancarlo's monster deal over 300 and. $13 million, somewhere in that range, 312 maybe. Uh, everybody, as soon as that happened, everybody's like Judge and Stanton are going to hit by, side by side, 60 home runs each. Uh, nobody would counter in the strikeouts. Those came later. Uh, in two seasons thus far, though, Judge and Stanton have had trouble uh, constantly staying on the same field in the same batting order. Each player's been dealt with multiple injuries since the start of last year in 2018. Stanton... So Judge went down last year. Stan carried the load mostly offensively last year, even though fans gave him a lot of grief for it. Hit 38 home runs in 2018, led the Yankees offense in almost every offensive category, RBIs, doubles, home runs. Um, this year he's only played in nine games, uh, hopefully, by the time end of August rolls around. I think that's the time he's due back. He hit that long home run, 460 feet, against the Blue Jays just a couple of weeks uh, ago before he got hurt. Hopefully he comes back at the end of August. Gears up for October. The Yankees, again, have like the deadliest lineup in the American League with Judge, Stanton, Voigt, Gregorius, Sanchez, Encarnacion, Glaber Torres. 
DJ LeMay. I can't believe I mentioned DJ LeMayhew eighth in that list. He, he's been the AL leader in batting average, hitting over 340. Just a deadly lineup. Here's the call for Giancarlo Stan. John Sterling goes out of his way, learns Italian. Um, no se può stay sto parlo, uh, which means you can't be stopped in Italian. Uh, one of the more popular calls on the new roster for John Sterling. So here it is, Giancarlo Stanton. Driven a deep right. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Oh, that is a Stantonian home run to deep right center. A three-run blast. Giancarlo. No si to Barlo. Now the Yankees take a 4 nothing lead and he... Now that call is so good these days that we got to hear another version of this call. Michael Kay on the Yes Network. That one's drilled deep to right field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. A home run for Giancarlo Stanton. Oh, Giancarlo. No say Paul Comparlo. A Stantonian blast. And the Yankees lead by a score of 4 to nothing. <laughs> I, th- I believe that was for John Sterling's 80th birthday last year, 4th of July, 2018. Yankees were playing the Braves, uh, and he said, if whoever hits the first home run here, I'm, I'm doing the John Sterling call. It's Giancarlo Stanton. O'Neal shaking him in the booth. He's cracking up. That, that was good stuff. Michael Kay and John Sterling were partners for many years in the broadcast, but I think a decade, 10 years, 1992 to 2001, Michael Kay was John Sterling's partner in the booth on the Yankees radio network before Susan Waldman showed up in 2002. The rest is history there, folks. Probably one of the favorites in the newer lineup. Another newer favorite next on the list is one Glaber Torres. Glaber Day. Like a good Glaber, Torres is there. And I think he had one like Glaber of the Month. Uh, I remember last year there was a game against the White Sox where he just wasn't feeling good at all, sounded like he was dying, and uh, he made the call and it just sounded awful, kind of like how Michael Kay sounded uh, a few weeks back. Now Michael Kay is out until, I think, mid-August, recuperating after getting surgery on his vocal cord. So again, Michael Kay, wish you a speedy recovery. John Sterling, I really hope he's okay, 81 years old, like I said one of the mainstays and legends in Yankees lore. Uh, But this Glaber Torres call resonated. He had his first home run in May against the Indians last year in 2018. And the first time uh, we actually heard it, he said it's Glaber Day and he's the Glaber of the month. And as soon as he said the call, Susan Waldman's next to him. Just She just chimes in. She's like, oh, Glaber Day? I like that, John. That's good. So here's the call. Glaber Torres, it's Glaber Day. Swung on and hit in the air to deep left field. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone. His first major league home run. And it's a three-run home run. This is Glaber Day. And he is the Glaber of the month. It's a three-run blast. And the Yankees take a 3 nothing lead. This kid gets better and better every day. Look at the smile on his face. This kid lights up a room when he comes in. And not, that wasn't an accident. He is so prepared. He probably studied his last at bat. And he, it was a pitch that he got him on the last time. And this time he squared it up. Boy, did he square it up. You never forget your first major league home run. 
and Dee Dee's killing them in there. They're jumping all over them. Tanaka's, they're throwing seeds on them. <laughs> it's Labor Day. I like that a lot. Uh, I, I almost thought she wasn't going to say that. I kept playing. I'm like, is she going to say it? Is she going to say it? And right before it went off the air, Glaber Day. I like that a lot. All right, Susan. Next one on the list. Um, don't have audio for it. One of the newer ones. Aaron Hicks. Been great for the Yankees. Just signed that seven-year extension. Hicks hits one to the sticks. Mainly hits it to right field over the short porch. But nonetheless, great call. Uh, last two before we get into some honorable mentions. Uh, Brett Gardner, first off, I mean, they've evolved over the years. Brett Gardner's uh, one of those mainstays in the Yankees order. He's been there for 12 years, was one of two players still a part of that, uh, still one of, one of two players that is still on the roster from that 2009 team. Brain fart there. Um, him and Susie Sabathia, only two players remaining on the 2019 roster that were on the 2019. Um, again, the calls have evolved over the year. First one was Gardner Plants one, which makes sense because his last name's Gardner and a Gardner uh, works with plants. So Gardner Plants one into the seats. The other one is Gardy goes Yardy. It's a Gardy party. The Gardy party, I think, showed up in 2011. That was, that's one of the newer ones, which has resonated with the fans as well. So here it is, John Sterling's call for Brett Gardner. Swung on and line to right field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Gardy goes Yardy. He plants one in the right field seats. And the Yankees take a one nothing lead. And the last call before we get into some honorable mentions, because, again, there's still some great ones. This is arguably the coolest call John Sterling, I think, has come up with in recent years. Unfortunately for the guy, he's been up and down. And like many believe, I certainly believe he should have never been sent down, has had a rocky attitude. And when I say rocky, it's just been up and down, doesn't really have the maturity level to be a Yankee, uh, didn't speak to the media one game earlier in the season after making three errors in right field, and despite like a legendary bat, like, he has legendary bat speed, great all-around hitter, hit 283 while he was up in the big leagues earlier on in the season, does not have the right attitude to be a Yankee, and I think many Yankee fans will agree. Clint Frazier, downtown goes Frazier, that Frazier will amaze ya. I'm not sure if the beginning of that cut out. I'll play it one more time. Downtown goes Frazier. That's probably the best part. I don't want to cut that one out. Downtown goes Frazier. He is a three-run home run. Oh, that Frazier will amaze you. I personally think that's the coolest call. Got to hear it the first time at Yankee Stadium when he had a walk-off home run against the Brewers in July of 2017, right before the uh, All-Star break. I think that was his second career home run overall. Downtown goes Frazier, reminiscent with George Foreman's knockout against Joe Frazier, uh, with Howard Cassell's and famous Down Goes Frazier call at the end of a historic fight in one of the best broadcasts of all time, I think. Clint, of course, a key acquisition for the Yankees when they traded for Andrew Miller. Uh, He went to Cleveland, was lights out for the Indians in that postseason, quickly made an impact, did Frazier in 2017, hit a home run in his first ever game, hit a double and then a home run in his first ever game at Minute Maid Park against the Astros during 4th of July weekend in 2017. The redheaded slugger, though, has not made too many 
positive headlines lately. So, like I said, struggles mightily in right field, not really a good defender. Refused to talk to the, to the media in June after a three-error performance on Sunday Night Baseball against the Red Sox back in June. And despite his great play at the plate, 283, uh, 330 on-base percentage, 513 slugging, he, he was sent down to AAA Scranton following uh, the Edwin Encarnacion trade. He made room for Edwin Encarnacion, and when he was asked in the clubhouse by Meredith Morakovitz, he's just like, yeah, I'm stunned. Like, I maybe, like, I thought I was going to get sent out for Judge or Stanton, not for Edwin Encarnacion, who's just coming in as an extra bat. So it'll be interesting to see how the Yankees utilize him down in AAA. I mean, he's getting his at-bats, which is a good thing, but who knows how long he's going to be with the Yankees organization. I mean, he's probably the number one trade ship as Brian Cashman looks for a top end of the line, a starter for the rotation. So let's get into some honorable mentions. The first one, not a home run call because he's a pitcher, but I, I've, I think I've showed it before on the show many times. The Masahiro Tanaka, the Annie theme song, The Sun Will Come Out, Tanaka. I, I thought that one was good. I think we actually have it here. Uh, so, yeah, here it is, Masahiro Tanaka, The Sun Will Come Out, Tanaka. Grounded to short. Didi feels and throws to first in time. Ball game over. Yankees win. The Yankees win. And Masahiro Tanaka pitches a complete game shutout and a beauty, giving up only three hits, one walk, and striking out nine. The sun will come out, Tanaka. Bet your bottom dollar with Tanaka. The sun will shine. Anyway, Tanaka. <laughs> oh, that's that's bad. That's horrifically awesome. <laughs> Uh, the next one on the list, Didi Gregorius, um, hit a huge home run in the wild card game 2017 against the Twins. Here's that call. Tanner is at the belt, the payoff. Swung on and drilled to deep right. It is high. It is far. It is gone. It ties the game. Didi Gregorius hits a three-run home run in the right field seats. Yes, indeed. Didi Gregorius makes Yankee fans euphorious. He is a three-run home run to tie the game at three in the bottom of the first. Other ones we got on the list, DJ LeMayhew, DJ LeMayhew, David John makes it long gone. That one's just lame, but I had to mention DJ just because he's the GOAT right now. The Machine in New York, Derek Jeter, El Capitan, it's a Jeter jolt. Jorge Posada, Georgie Juiced one. Andrew Jones, probably one of the best uh, defenders of all time, should be in the Hall of Fame. Andrew Jones makes his bones. Aaron Judge, everybody knows this one. I'm not going to play it. Here comes the judge. He's the judge and the jury. And this is Judgment Day. Uh, Austin Romine, Austin Powers one, which for you Austin Powers fans, that makes perfect sense. Everything is fine with Romine. Mike Talkman, this one's interesting. Talkman, the Sockman. Uh, Luke Voigt. Voigt hits one to Detroit or Beloit, depending on the game. Cool Hand, Luke, and of course, Gio Urshela. Gio Urshela, the most happy fella. Those are the ultimate John Sterling home run calls. Uh, if you have any more that you had in mind that I didn't write in this article, feel free to DM us on Twitter or Instagram at Pod. This was the Osho Podcast, Episode 72, Interview with Danny Mendek, 22nd rounder in the Chicago White Sox organization. 
currently with the Charlotte Knights. Knights play tomorrow. I'll be back there in Charlotte getting some more interviews for the podcast, so stay tuned for that. This is the O Show Podcast presented by Belly Up Sports. Be bold and stand out. And I've never really had a signature sign-off for this, so for you wrestling fans, take it or leave it. I bid you all adieu, goodbye, and good night. Bang! Hit it, Hootie. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.